everyone! Before we start, I wanted to let you know, if you would like to watch our whole service, head to our website, that's dc2.me, and from the media drop-down, click Sermons. You can watch our whole service there. And now, here's this week's sermon. Uh, today, we are in the last day of Illuminate Advent. Uh, it's a time where we have taken our local partners, our global partners, taken a look at Christmas, Uh, and decided, what if we look at it differently? What if it's not just about more and more things? Or as my children have said, Advent is about how many gifts we get on our Advent calendar. Uh, And and thought, what if we think locally, globally, what if we think about how we can give back? So today, as a church, we are in our last day of that. Uh, We are on our last Sunday before Christmas Eve. And in fact, this will be our last Sunday service before the new year. Uh, It feels like this convergence, this big Sunday, we've been in this series talking about light, uh, talking about what light looks like in Scripture, what light looks like with Jesus. And as this all comes to this convergence, I have been racking my brain thinking, uh, how do we talk to all of that? Uh, My name is Jacob, and I'm one of the pastors here. And I'm so excited for you to join us today as we look at these convergence of dates Uh, as I prayed and planned what to talk about, and it became clear what the most important topic of the day was. And I know you're all thinking the same thing too, right? Of course you are. Uh, Today is the day to talk about artificial intelligence and deep fakes, Photoshop manipulation, and the nature of truth. Yes, it's going to be one of those days. And we will talk about Jesus. We will talk about the birth of Jesus and Christmas. But I want to talk about it today through the lens of truth, And what is truth? And how do you know truth? Uh, How do you seek truth? And what do you do when you're pursuing truth that is a little bit off? Uh, This year has been fascinating. If you've been paying attention to the nature of technology and where it's headed. Uh, Because before kind of this rise of technology, uh, one of the ways that you pursued truth was to take a look at who was speaking uh, and then ask, uh, what is their agenda? Uh, What is their slant? What is their goal? Uh, What do they want to accomplish? Uh, I've heard it said in every argument there are three sides, uh, their side, my side, and then the true side. Uh, And so for the most part, what we've done is we've looked at what people's goals are. When we see political attack ads on television or the internet, we ask ourselves, what is their agenda? Uh, What are they trying to get across? Are they giving us 100% of the facts? Are they giving small parts of the fact? What are their goals? When a person shares a story about being attacked by Bigfoot out in the woods, now they have a three-book deal and a sci-fi channel miniseries, we have to ask them, is it true? Uh, Was there an agenda? Is this the first time they've shared a story like this? Where is the money? Uh, When a famous leader steps down from a leadership position, uh, people often ask, what is the story? Uh, What is the behind the scenes? What is truth? We have what they've presented We have what I've heard. Uh, We have what's true. What is true? What is the agenda? Where is the money? Or, on a smaller note, when it gets to November 3rd, and I go look in my kid's bucket of Halloween candy, and it's all gone, and my kids swear they didn't eat it, I have to ask, do we have ghosts in our house? Or did my kids just eat three pounds of candy, and I'm going to pay for it at the dentist? The truth may be somewhere in between, or my kids may have just eaten all the candy. Uh, In everything we do, in every day we live, we are constantly looking at truth. What is the full truth? What is the story? 
and what do I need to do to move on? The thing is, though, as technology grows, truth actually becomes more and more difficult to ascertain. Uh, I'll throw a slide up here. There was an incredible social media account that started this year um, all about Tom Cruise. Uh, it was Tom Cruise playing golf. It was Tom Cruise talking about uh, meeting with these uh, prime ministers, these rulers in Russia. It was Tom Cruise talking about all these announcements, Tom Cruise running through fields, all of these incredible things. This went on for months where they kept teasing that something was coming, uh, and the tease eventually was that this is not Tom Cruise. Um, this was just a person, uh, a person who had taken acting classes and who had a same general build, who had studied all of Tom Cruise's movies. Uh, he had learned his mannerisms. He learned the little laugh, what he did with his hands. He learned how he, he falls, everything. Uh, then between that and a computer overlay, he created a deep fake account pretending to be Tom Cruise. Um, and it wasn't nefarious. It wasn't malicious. It was actually highlighting a company that could do this. But we start to run into an issue with technology because now when I see this video of Tom Cruise promoting something, I'm not positive that's him. It's a fascinating thing to look up. Uh, going past this in the nature of truth, uh, we can look at the creative world. Uh, art is this beautiful thing, and, and these artists uh, take years, decades, and a lifetime to perfect their work. Um, has anyone heard about AI-generated artwork? It's in this odd legal place right now of, is it legal? Is it allowed? Where do these images come from? This morning, I was pulling up AI-generated artwork, and on this one website I went to, it said, if you want to pull up one of Van Gogh's works, uh, it takes us about 1.2 seconds to create it. Um, so I pulled up some pictures like, you know, this first one right here. Uh, this will be uh, Santa meeting with Mary. Our, our Santa meeting with Jesus. We have Santa meeting with Mary, I believe. We'll have Santa meeting with the Easter Bunny, because that's also important. Uh, and all of these took me seconds to create. Uh, they weren't drawn by a human. Uh, these aren't pulled from stock photos. This is a program just creating art on the fly this morning. What is true? Then, in the last few months, we've heard about ChatGPT. Has anyone heard about ChatGPT? If you haven't, go Google it. It will either terrify you or excite you, or probably both. Uh, it is an artificial intelligence that's been created that can do just about everything it feels like. You can ask it, hey, can you plan a shopping list for me for a family of four for a budget of $200 for a week? And three seconds later, you have a shopping list. And you say, hey, can you sort that by aisle at Walmart? And it sorts it. Now, that seems innocuous. That seems minor. Uh, you can also say, hey, can you write me a three-page college essay on the Great Gatsby that's APA formatted and really focuses in on the symbology of color? And it can do that in about 12 seconds. Uh, if you're an educator in the room, um, that has to terrify you a little bit. Uh, and if you're an educator in the room and you know students who would use that who are not here, don't let them listen to this sermon. Um, colleges right now are trying to figure out what do we do about artificial intelligence essays? Uh, how do we determine if a student has turned in something true or if they've turned in something fake and generated? Copywriting, 
art, video. Uh, there are ways to fabricate any of it. Uh, Photoshop battles are a phenomenal thing to look up online if you ever want to look at something. It's incredible what we can create. It was really funny timing because this week I received an email from a group that I'm a part of that accepts essays. Uh, people turn in essays, and if they're accepted, they're put online. And the person who created the group had a quote, and he said this. We will not be accepting AI-generated articles or essays. Some of you may ask how we can tell, and I'd like to refer you to a few articles we've written on the topic. To put it briefly, they lack soul. Uh, they lack soul. There's something missing. When we read it, there's just a, a, a roboticness to the word. And, and when we read it, it just feels like there's something off. Which brings us to the question, what is truth? And how do you know that what you're looking at is truth? How do you know that what you're chasing is true? Um, how do you know that what you're chasing isn't something just a little bit off? And this question is going to continue to grow over the next 5, 10, 20, 30 years, which may excite you as technology continues to grow, or it may make you terrified uh, as you're not sure how to believe everything you see. In the Christmas story, uh, there are a group of people that I want to talk about today. Uh, they are a group of people who sought truth. In fact, there were a group of people who chased truth at personal cost and who have a very small footnote in the Christmas story. They, they get talked about a little bit and then never again, and their story is fascinating to me. They traveled the world, turned down powerful people, and ultimately brought gifts and presents to the Savior of the world. I'm talking, of course, about the wise men or the magi in the Christmas story. Uh, if you have a Bible, I want to introduce you to them. Um, and if not, it'll be up on the screen behind me. And when I do, I want you to pay attention because after this, you're going to stop hearing about them. They have this very small area in Scripture, and then we don't ever see them again, uh, despite having a pretty cool story. So if you have a Bible, we're going to be in Matthew 2. We're going to be reading verses 1 through 16, reading about the story of the Magi. Matthew 2, 1 through 16. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied. For this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over a place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, 
Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night, and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, out of Egypt I called my son. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious and gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Story of the Magi. There's a lot to unpack there, and I'll unpack it a little bit so that we understand the high points. There was a star in the sky when Jesus was born that led these Magi to Jesus. These Magi were seeking the King of the Jews, the Messiah, and a great ruler, and they were from the east. Along the way, they met the Roman ruler of the area, a man named Herod, who seemed very interested in hearing about the new king of the Jews and attempted to conscript them. The wise men left and found Jesus at his home and presented him with gifts. Uh, And afterwards, they chose not to return to King Herod, having sussed out his nefarious intent. And Herod chose to, to fly into a rage and ordered the deaths of young boys aged two and younger in the area while Jesus fled to another country. And after this, we don't hear about the Magi again but we can determine a few things from what we've read. Uh, First off, uh, the birth of Jesus story that many of us know or have potentially in nativity scenes in our homes is probably a little bit off. Uh, Here's the story that's usually told and often depicted in cartoons. Mary has just given birth in a barn, and all of these teenage kids come in from shepherding to meet Jesus. They throw a party, Then these old men come in and give Jesus gold, oil, and perfume. And Mary is so excited and not at all worried about these men who have just stormed into the barn where she gave birth. Then I think there's a drummer boy too, but I don't know exactly where he fits in because I couldn't find him in Scripture, but I know he's there. I've, I've seen him in my nativity set. And Mary is all smiles, and Jesus is all smiles, and Joseph is all smiles because everything is great, which is odd to me because I've been in the delivery room a few times. And the ones I've been in were warm and disinfected, and it still was not all smiles. Um, And there weren't a bunch of strangers and animals crowding around, but hey, maybe childbirth was different in the old days and just easier. That's what I can assume. Now, in the scripture we just read, we see that the Magi actually come to visit Jesus in his home, and their visit causes Herod to order the deaths of children two and younger. Which leads many scholars to believe that Jesus was probably somewhere between 13 and 24 months when they met with him, which also means that maybe the Magi don't fit in the nativity scene. Uh, We can keep the drummer boy, though, because I think he's pretty cool. Um, What we do know about the wise men is actually small. Uh, We can ascertain some things. We can assume some things from what we've read. Um, We believe that there were possibly more than three of them, maybe as many as 30, coming to visit Jesus. Uh, We know they came from the east. Uh, The writer makes sure for us to know they came from the east. Uh, We aren't positive about their religious background, um, but most scholars don't believe that they were Jewish. They they probably point more to something like Zoroastrianism, which is not a sect of Judaism, uh, but focused on some looking at the stars and was also looking for a savior, a Messiah. So we have some people outside of the Jewish faith looking for the savior of the world, and following stars until they meet him. 
We know that they were following stars and seeking him, and we know that they were pursuing it since he was born. So 13 to 24 months. And along the way, they encountered powerful people who wanted in on the action, and they avoided it. They weren't there to seek power, which they probably could have gotten. We can assume that Herod would have given them power for letting them know, him know about the Savior of the world. They weren't there to seek fame, which we assume they could have gotten because they had just found the Savior of the world. They weren't there to seek influence, which we can assume they may have been able to get by sticking around. They're declared wise men or magi, but none of them stick around to mentor Jesus, to teach Jesus, to learn from Jesus, to ask Jesus questions. Uh, No, it seems like they were just there to pursue truth and honor the God of the universe because to them, truth was the most important thing to seek. Um, They had the opportunity to say, "I, I knew him when, and I met Jesus there. And in case you're here today, or in case you're joining us online, and you don't know what that truth was that they sought, Uh, Let me tell you what it was. And if you're here today and you know what that truth is, but like many of us, uh, that view of truth can go slightly askew. uh, And you you can miss the point in all of the hustle and bustle. Let me remind you what it is. We find it in Isaiah 9. If you want to join me in your Bible, it's Isaiah 9, 1 through 7. Isaiah was written about 700 years before the birth of Jesus, prophesied a coming king. And here's what Isaiah had to say. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun with the land of Naphtali, but in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations by way of the sea beyond the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You've enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the days of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing it and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Amen. The story of Christmas is this. Uh, The story that these wise men were pursuing and maybe didn't even know it was this. Jesus is the light. Uh, The Savior to mankind, the wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And that's what the Magi pursued regardless of their religious system and belief. Uh, They were pursuing the light and the Savior of the world. See, Jesus is the light and darkness flees from him. Uh, If you're here today, you're joining us online, and you don't know what that means, that that light uh, that casts out darkness, uh, it says Jesus came for the forgiveness of sins. Jesus came 
for freedom. Jesus came so that we may have life and have it to the fullest. Uh, and that darkness, that, that sin, uh, that thing inside of you, that place that you're stuck, Jesus comes to cast it out, um, to, to bring you to freedom. Uh, and today, uh, if you're here um, and you don't know that, uh, I would love to chat with you after service. I would love to chat with you about uh, the choice that I made when I chose to follow Jesus. And if pastors scare you, I get it. I was terrified of pastors when I started coming to church. I also have friends I can refer you to who aren't pastors and are probably smarter than me. So you can talk to them as well. Um, I would love to talk to you about the freedom that Jesus brings. Jesus is the light of the world and the reflection of his Father. He is God incarnate who came to live among his people uh, and if we stop there, uh, we've actually gotten a pretty complete Christian or a Christmas message. The God who came as a baby for us, um, lived a great life, died for our sins, um, and he is truth. Um, but rather than stop there, let's call that 80%. Um, because if we connect our dots from across this entire series that we've been in, let's understand what Jesus asks from us for there. Light that casts out darkness. Jesus is the light. Um, but do you guys know what Jesus says about us, about followers of God? Um, it's in Matthew 5. If you have a Bible, turn Matthew 5, 14 through 16. Jesus is teaching his disciples and teaching a number of people who are following him. And he says this, Jesus 5, 14 through 16. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. A few weeks ago, Zach was teaching and talked about uh, us being light bearers, uh, being reflections of the light. Uh, one of our former pastors, uh, a man named Brandy Larson, uh, also used to say it this way. Uh, there's this old children's song that some of you may know. It goes, uh, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Something, 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 something. Hide it under a bushel. No, I'm going to let it shine. That's the most I'll ever sing on stage. Um, actually, Alex, let's, let's talk about this. Um, Randy used to say, and I loved this, he'd say, hey, we are called to be the light of the world. Uh, and that song tells us, hide it under a bushel. No, sometimes that bushel um, is the church. Uh, it's this Sunday morning where we come together and we gather and it's beautiful and it's great and we sing and we worship and we hear about God and we leave and we don't take that out. Um, we just keep it here. Uh, Jesus talks about don't hide that light. Um, show it to others that they may know your Father uh, and in fact, that wasn't something that Jesus just said in Matthew. Uh, Jesus is also talking all the way back to Isaiah. Um, so Isaiah 42, 6 and 7. God, talking to his people, says this. I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness. I will take hold of your hand. So important. I will take hold of your hand. I will keep you and make you to be a covenant for the people and a light for the Gentiles to open the eyes that are blind, to free captives from prison, and to release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness. Uh, I will take your hand 
I will free the captives. I will show people the light. And again in chapter 49, 5 through 6. Now the Lord says, He who formed me in the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob back to him and gather Israel to himself, for I am honored in the eyes of the Lord, and my God has been my strength. He says, it is too small a thing for you to be my servant, to restore the tribes of Jacob, to bring back those of Israel I have kept. I will also make you a light for the Gentiles, that my salvation may reach the ends of the earth. The God who holds our hand, who walks with us, and wants to show his truth to the nations, uh, wants to show his truth through us, uh, the light of the world. Because if Jesus is the light, we are that reflection. We are the reflection of that light. So artificial intelligence, chat GPT, deep fakes, magi and truth. What do we do? Uh, the state of truth today uh, looks a little something like this, in my opinion. Uh, as I'm walking, um, I hear claims of truth from over here. And some of it sounds really close, and some of it doesn't, but I'm not always 100% sure what's true and what's not. And I hear claims from over here, and some of it sounds really true, and, and some doesn't, and I'm not sure what to do. And, and I see people in front of me, and some of what they say sounds very true, uh, but a little off, and I'm not sure. Um, but as I look toward Jesus, I know that Jesus is truth, and Jesus is light, and if I continue to chase after him, um, I'll be pointed toward truth. A truth so powerful that uh, when a young baby is born, it is so offensive to the powers of the world, uh, they started declaring mass murder. A, a truth so powerful that a group of people uh, chose to pursue the savior of the world who is not a part of their religion, but something about it that they'll give up time and influence and power and money and everything to chase it, this undeterred pursuit of truth. And when they saw it, they didn't leverage it for their gain. They just took in what they saw and they showered it with gifts. I hope that you and I in this room have this same undeterred pursuit of truth, that if we believe that Jesus was truth, we would just chase toward it with blinders on and we would ignore the things around us um, and that we'd be a reflection to those around us. Uh, so I want to try something. I want to invite the band back up. Um, and as I do, here's what I want to try. Uh, I'm going to ask you um, to take a posture of prayer, or surrender, or calm and quiet. So if you would do me a favor, if you would bow your head, close your eyes, I will not ask you to raise your hands, I will not ask you to shout anything out. Uh, I'm going to ask you to be contemplative and pray. Uh, and I want to give you a few challenges, and here's what I'm going to do. Once you hit a challenge that's as far as you can go, I want you to just hold on to that. Uh, and if you think you can go further, I'll keep presenting them. I have a total of three. Um, here's the first one. Hey, if you are here today and you are a follower of Christ, if you are a person who knows that truth and you get it right most of the time and you're trying to figure it out, can I ask who are you praying for that doesn't know that truth? 
Jesus says we are the light of the world, that light needs to be seen. So can I ask you, who are you praying for that may not know that truth? Can you get that name, that picture in your head? And if you're here today and you do not know the love of Jesus, you do not have a relationship with God, you are still figuring things out, you have questions, um, I'm going to encourage you to pray as well. I'm going to encourage you to find someone to talk to. I would love to chat with you after service, or I'd love to send you to someone to chat with. I had a person reach out to me a few months ago, um, a family member, and they said, I have so many questions about God, and I've gone to church, and I don't get it. What do I do? And I said, hey, I want you to know, if you went to that church and you said that to somebody, they would be so excited. (laughs) They would love to talk to you. If you can take that step of vulnerability, uh, there are people who just want you to know the freedom that they know. Second challenge. So interesting cultural phenomena where uh, the church is not always the most highly respected, highly sought after, uh, except for during Christmas. There's something about the Christmas season and, and Jesus that makes people look at churches. It makes people consider going. It makes people look at the walls. So the other question for the person who wants to take that next step, uh, who are you inviting to Christmas Eve? Who are you inviting to come here about the love of Jesus? Because this is an opportunity. And it's not an opportunity to say, I know more than you and I know better than you. It's an opportunity to say, hey, I am pursuing Jesus you want to come to? The final challenge for, for somebody who those first two are just so easy is to evaluate your circle of friends, your circle of influence, and the circle of people you spend time with and ask yourself, does my circle all look and think the exact same as me? Hide it under a bushel? No. Does the people that I have a chance to influence, the people I have a chance to reach out to, um, do I even have that opportunity? Um, and I would challenge you to evaluate and ask yourself how you expand that circle if that's you. I love my church family. Uh, and as a pastor, I can go months without showing that light outside of these walls. Um, and I have a feeling some of you are that way too. So I challenge you that. Jesus is the light, um, and he calls us to be the light of the world. So I'd love to pray. Uh, Hey, God, it's Jake. God, when I look at these magi, I I actually can't, uh, I can't imagine meeting the Savior of the world and, and just leaving. I can't imagine not standing around and wanting to see what happened, wanting to influence God, I love that just blinders on pursuit of truth. God, I pray for those um, in this room watching us online or in our circles of influence that don't know you, Lord, that they would receive that opportunity. Because God, it's the greatest thing that ever happened to most of us, and I just want that for others. 
God, I pray for Christmas Eve that's coming up here in a few days. God, that there are people in this room who are thinking now, who do I want to get the opportunity to hear? And God, I pray for conviction for all of us as we go into the new year and New Year's resolutions and making a plan to ask ourselves, does everyone I know think and look like me? And if so, how do I expand that out? God, thanks for an amazing church. God, thank you for your son. Thank you for being the light. Amen.